This is the Black Hole Podcast with host Ryan Millsap. With a vision of how real estate could turn into movies and how movies could turn into money, Millsap set out to build the state's largest film complex. After checking that box, Millsap returned to his entrepreneurial roots, where real estate ventures, entertainment opportunities, nonprofit support, and golf course business deals rule the day. What's next for Ryan Millsap? Listen up, and you'll find out. Today on the podcast, I'm going to introduce you to a very special lady, Marlene Reed, my wife's grandmother, who just turned 90 years old last week. My wife, Brittany McElhaney Millsap, is joining me as a co-host on the podcast today, exploring some of Marlene's stories. This is a woman who was seven years old when Pearl Harbor was attacked. She was 29 when JFK was killed, 35 when the United States walked on the moon, 38 when Nixon was impeached, 40 when Reagan was elected president. When she was 52, the Challenger exploded on the way to space. When she was 60, Bob Kraft bought the Patriots. She was 80 years old when Robin Williams died in 2014, and today in 2024, she's 90 years old. Please welcome the beautiful and delightful Marlene Reed. Marlene, welcome to the program. Thank you. Marlene is my wife, Brittany's grandmother. She uh, was a McElhaney and then became a Reed. My wife, Brittany, was a McElhaney and then became a Millsap. And Brittany's joining us today on the podcast as well. Brittany, welcome. Thank you. So you're born in 1934. Yes. What are some of your earliest memories? Well, I just some of the stuff I, my parents told me. I was born at Langley Field, Virginia, and my father was one of the first people on the base when it was all uh, dirt roads and all that stuff. And, and when I was born there... At that hospital, it was the new hospital then. <laughs> we lived on the flight line. And um, I remember the Second World War. I was going to say, do you yeah. remember Pearl Harbor? Yes, I do. I do you, what, tell, me, tell me what you remember about that day. I just remember hearing the President Roosevelt. I remember that. And I also remember we had blackouts on the base and sirens. And we had a big wooden box that had a bunch of rations and stuff in it, you know, for emergencies. You would have been seven when the war started and about 12 when the war ended. My brother was also killed in the Second World War. How old was he? He was graduated from high school, went to Syracuse University, and then when he went on training in Georgia, he was killed. So he was 11 years older than you? Is yeah, that about right? I, yeah, I was the baby. <laughs> how many brothers and sisters? I had you? one one brother and one sister. She was the oldest. And how much older was she? Let's see, she was probably fifteen, twelve or fifteen years. She was. I was. I was uh, an accident. Accident. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> do you? How old? Do you? How old were your parents when you were born? My mother was thirty nine. Oh, that was. Yes, yeah, I said I was an accident. Yeah, that was old back in the mm-hmm. back in the thirties, right? So then when you're raised as the youngest with that big a gap, did it feel a little bit like being an only child? No. 
No, 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 because I enjoyed all my sisters and brothers' friends. They remember me as the little brat. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, we had a reunion. I guess it's been like 10 years ago, Langley Field Kids. And some of my brothers and sisters' friends were there. My sister came, and and she went with me. And they remember me as a little brat. (laughs) (laughs) So now your dad, was he he was in the military. Yes, he he lied about his age, went in the military. He was General Pershing's aide. And he used to tell me about Pancha Villa. (laughs) And uh, uh, let's see, then he, uh, he went to Langley. He's still in the military at Langley. Yeah, still in the military. Was he how long? Was he like a, a career military? Yes, guy? yes. Mm-hmm. He retired as a as lieutenant colonel. Mm-hmm. But tell him how he uh, got into the military. Well, I did. He, he lied about his age. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and he shares a birthday with uh, Gunner. Yes, well, yeah, yeah. January eighteenth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incredible. And also my my other granddaughter Jordan, she yeah. was born on his birthday. Mm-hmm. Three family members with all the same birth. That's pretty amazing. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that is cool. So then when did he retire from the military? I'm not even sure, to tell you the truth. Probably in the 40s. Late 40s, yeah. like after, yeah. the, after World War II. Yeah, yeah. And did you guys leave the base? Well, we, we, we had to leave the base during right after the war. Mm-hmm. And, well, before the war was over, because he, he went to the, uh, New York. With the military? Yeah. And then, so we moved off base then. And then he retired and we stayed in Hampton, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then what did he do after he retired well, or from the military? He um, went went to the NCO club and managed that for them. And then, then he was, he stopped that. But then, as a civilian? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you're 12 years old. The war ends. Your dad retires from the military. You moved to Hampton, Virginia. Well, we were in Hampton. You were already in Hampton. Yeah. <laughs> so you were living in Hampton. You weren't living on Langley Base. Not at that point, no. Got it. Okay. So you're back in at Hampton. <clears throat> and so you went to high school in Hampton. Yes. And now it's the late 40s. Mm-hmm. Right? You went to high school in about 48. I graduated in 52 from Hampton High School. There you go, 1952. Mm-hmm. So what was it like to be in high school post-World War II, Hampton, Virginia? Wonderful. Wonderful. Nothing like it is now. I mean, it, we didn't have all this uh, harassing and stuff like that. You know, when I well, when I was in um, elementary school, I had long braids. They used to tie me to the back of my desk. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I didn't think I was being bullied. <laughs> so, so, what were some of the highlights? I mean, you're, this is the early fifties, right? You're a junior in high school when the fifties begin. All right. Really, I guess you're a sophomore in high school in 1950. Graduate in 1952. What kind of is, has fifties uh, music arrived, or is that is? It, so are you still yeah. dancing the forties music? Oh yeah, I took dance lessons, so I love dancing. And we always had dances after our football games on Friday, and we all danced. It was just great times then. What kind of dances were you doing? Jitterbug <laughs> and uh, just regular ballroom dancing. How would people dress in for, for dances back then? What, what would the guys wear? What would the girls wear? The, well, the girls wore bobby socks and skirts and sweaters, no slacks then. <laughs> and the guys just wore khakis and Sweaters. Khakis and sweaters, mm-hmm. not blazers. No. More sweaters. Right, right. And what what kind of other activities did you like to do in high school? Well, I was a, uh, 
on a uh, newspaper. I had my own column on our newspaper, <laughs> Crabber Highlight. Mine was called Crabber Chatter. <laughs> and so was it a gossip column? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of things did you write about? The couples, you know, who, who was seen with who and all that kind of stuff. And then um, a movie came to Fort Eustis. That was a transportation place, Fort Eustis, Virginia. And it starred Hugh O'Brien and Jeff Chandler. I think the name of it was Red Ball Express. And so I contacted them and got them to come to a football game. This this movie that was being made called yeah. the Red Ball Express, yeah. and you got them to come to a football game to film? Or no, no, just, just to, come? to come because I, they invited me to to Fort Eustace. Went to Fort Eustace on the on the on the lot, ate at the commissary with them, watched them film it. Wait, why? Why? How did you get to know these people? Just by being a reporter. <laughs> oh, you found out. You found yeah. out that they were in town, yeah. and you went and yeah. found them. Yeah, I found them. Yeah, and they agreed. Oh, good to, for you. They agreed that I could come out there and, and interview him and all for the newspaper. And then they they had a cast party. I was invited to that, but I wasn't allowed to go because I, I was too young. Because <laughs> you were 15, 16? 16, 16 yeah. years old. Sixteen. I mean, yeah, yeah, sixteen years old is no place for a. No. A, a, no a, now, well, might then probably not as quite as bad as now, but I'm sure you know. <laughs> Listen, even back then i mean i know i know <laughs> yeah. these guys the guys making film on the road yeah and, then, and so then we had a football game and, they, and when they came to the football game it was i got to sit with them and it was like it was a big article in the newspaper about it, it was just they were you know people were just coming out of the stands to meet them and all that stuff it was great who were were these celebrities like the, you never heard of jeff chandler jeff chandler no i have no well, idea well he 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 played uh in Indian movies like Apache and stuff like that. And Hugh O'Brien had his own TV show. I think it was called The Sheriff or something like that. Okay. Yeah, they were big stars. So they were big stars in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing how they would have you know, not not maybe a couple of rows of troops and used all those mirrors to make it look like thousands. I mean, it was really interesting. Well, he looks like quite a handsome guy. Britt's pulled him up on... Yeah, he was. Mm -hmm. That's Jeff Chandler? Yeah, that's Jeff Chandler. And he was the star. Mm-hmm. And Hugh O'Brien was co-star. I don't remember. I don't remember who the female star was. What's Hugh Let's O'Brien see. look like? He wasn't bad looking either. <laughs> Had his own yeah, TV show. Yeah. Oh, these are handsome guys. Yeah. So, what was the name of his TV show? Uh, old school, old school Hollywood. The Western one. Yeah. The Western. I think it was a sheriff. Just says the sheriff. a Western television series: The Life and Legend of Wyatt Earp. Oh, yeah, Wyatt Earp. Why did I think of that? That's right, Wyatt Earp. You know who that is, right? I know who Wyatt Earp is. Okay. (laughs) But, I mean, these guys were handsome, old-school Hollywood stars. Right. And they came to a high school football game in Hampton. Mm -hmm. Red Ball Express. And they made the Red Ball Express in Mm -hmm. Virginia. Fort Eustace. I love this. (laughs) Okay, so um, you graduate from Hampton High School. Did you go to college? I went to William and Mary. Yeah, great school. And I was uh, co-captain of the fencing team. <laughs> really? Had you I ever fenced before? No, but I, I tried tennis, and she said, you're terrible at tennis. Then I tried hockey, didn't like that. So fencing was my thing. I loved it. You loved it? Yes. What What do you remember, like, how did it click that fencing was something you're like, I, I really like this? I don't. I mean, I don't even know why I chose it because I didn't like the others. I had to take something, so I took that. Did you have great feet, right? Because it's kind of fencing's a little bit like dancing. Well, yeah, it is kind of yeah. And we traveled, went to Goucher University and all these different places. It was fun to compete against these other universities. Mm-hmm. Do you think fencing? I don't know anything about fencing. Is fencing more feet or more hands? 
What's more important, good feet or good hands? Probably both, because you use your wrist a lot. Mm. In fact, I was showing some of the great-grandchildren. They were acting up with swords and all, and I was showing them how to lunge and do all that stuff. (laughs) When was the last time you think you had a uh, fencing sword in your hand? Uh, Back in the 50s. Back in the 50s. (laughs) You didn't keep it up. You didn't continue to fence. I mean, one of my granddaughters, she was surprised they had women's fencing. She said, did they have men's? I don't remember having men's. I just remember the the women's fencing team. Hmm. What did you study in college? What was your major? Criminology. Criminology? I didn't like it. They told me I had to go to state prison. I didn't want to go. So I dropped it. So I was political science. Political science. Political science makes more sense to me at William & Mary in the 50s. I mean, criminology would have been something I think new, right? A more practical version of some subset of political science. But at first, when I was younger, I wanted to be a mortician. What would inspire you to want to be a mortician? Because I, I heard my sister wanted to be one, I think, and I thought that sounded exciting. Then I wanted to be a sociologist. Didn't do that either. Ended up just, you know, getting married. <laughs> so you so you got out of college. Did you get married right away? Yeah, I didn't. I only went two years. Only two years? Yeah, I only went. I didn't, yeah, I got married. And then you got married when you were 20? Yeah. And was this the McElhaney marriage? That was the McElhaney marriage, yeah. That lasted 10 years. <laughs> for t- 10 years. How many, so then when was the first of your children born? My daughter, Debbie, was born in, let's see, 55. She was born in 55. Mm-hmm. And then my son was born four years later. And that's Brittany's father. Dad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, I just lost my daughter the 30th of um December this year. Which was a terrible time for the family. Absolutely. Um, she had had, how many years she'd been battling cancer? Well, 20, 20 years ago she had it and it came back. Oh, so, so she had it been, young. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the, the last five years she's been battling, battling all again. through her body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she was a great inspiration to people. I mean, people would come to my house looking for her. She had just had the best attitude. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a difficult question, but I think one that, um, is interesting to people. It's got to be very difficult as a parent to have to watch your kid go through that. Yes, because I'm thinking, okay, I'm 90. This ought to be me, not my daughter. <laughs> right. Um, it's not the natural order. Right. That's for sure. But, you know, God has a purpose. So I haven't figured out what mine is yet, but, you know, pretty soon I better be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe it's just to be a great grandmother because you're doing. Oh, that. listen, I have so many great grandchildren. Yeah, so so now so you have two children, and then now how many great well, how I, many grandchildren do you have, and how many great grandchildren? Okay, do you have? I have um, five grandchildren. I think I was I think I've miscounted. I think I have twenty one great grandchildren. Well, because your second marriage, yeah, he had right. two kids, so she's he had three. He had three, three children. Yeah. yeah, so I'm counting all them. Yours. <laughs> So when you got married, yeah, when you got married the second time, you had two children, and he already had three children. Is that right? How old were the children when you guys got married? Oh, I, my children were, were out up and married because I had an aunt that told him, "Don't marry me until my children were out of the house." And I think that was kind of good advice, you know. You wait. You had an an aunt who knew your boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And was he your boyfriend for a long time? Well, we. Went together like 13 years. Oh, 13 years. He was her neighbor. I was my neighbor. Ah. And so was it known that you guys were dating or was it like well, a secret? We, well, I'm not, well, I'm not sure because his wife 
was in the women's junior women's club with me. Yeah. I was the junior women's club and she was their sponsor. I didn't even know him. And we were doing a, uh, a minstrel together, the Lions Club and the junior women's club. And that's when I met him. And then they had bought a house somewhere else or a property. And then she found out there was property where I was living. I mean, on that street. It's a private lane. So they bought that. So I, I'm, you know, I think this was uh, a marriage made in heaven. I raked the yard. He raked the yard. We worked outside together. He loved my children. But he, wait, so but, but he when was he old, moved he in, was 16 he, years older than me. And, but when he moved in, did he have a wife? Yeah. And then. But, uh, and we were friends. Right. You were friends. But yeah. what I'm saying is. You, did you have an affair with this guy while he was married? Well, he, he used to come. He used to, I, I worked at downtown Newport News, and he would come on his lunchtime. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, she, she told my mother, because my mother lived with me part-time, and she told my mother she didn't want a husband. She she wanted a, a companion or a friend, uh, an escort. What it was, so she kind of threw us together. But I mean, I the never, wife did. Yeah, I mean, I never thought about it. You know, we were just good friends. So the wife, the wife wanted you to start dating her husband. Well, she didn't say that, but, but she, she was open to it. She she wasn't opposed to it. Well, I mean, I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> so how long did it go on? How long did you date? Well, he finally he he finally moved out. Okay. Uh, okay. So that's then he, when so, we started. Got it. Like actually dating. Right. So how many years were secretly dating and how many years were actually dating before you got well, married? I don't, know, I don't call secret. We didn't secretly date, really, because I mean, like he came on his lunch hour and I'd be on my lunch hour or yeah, something you know, like that, Yeah, you know, or, or meet him for breakfast or something. What like I that. mean is how many years did you guys date well, while we, he, well, while we he were, lived next door and how many years did you date when he moved out before you got married? All together, it was like 13 years, 13 I think. 13 years. I think. Yeah, okay. And then what happened to his first wife? What where did she, she she remarried before we did? She did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. So um, And you and uh she passed away a couple of years ago and before that we were at my present husband's, her ex-husband's. Uh one of the children had a big party in the summertime and everybody we were all there and she told me she was so glad that her her children had my children. They're close today. So you guys all stayed pretty tight. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm still, and with my first husband's uh, sisters and all, family, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I participate in a lot of stuff. We're all still friends. I think I met them at your birthday last you week. You did. You met Barbara. Yeah. So that was your first husband's uh, sister. First husband's sister. And the other sister passed away. And then the other sister is sick now. She has heart problems. But the family, you know, despite uh, family. Um, complication. I didn't divorce the family. That's pretty amazing. Yes. Some people don't feel that way. Oh, I know. But it's healthier, I think. And and my in-laws, I love my in-laws. They love me. They they lived on the other side of me. In fact, my father-in-law brought the property and and, uh, we built the house on part of his property. Mm -hmm. And the uh, day that he passed away, we were all at the hospital and I was divorced. No, I wasn't divorced then. Sorry. But anyway, he um, he called. Me. My mother-in-law left. The nurse came and got me, and he wanted to talk to me. He, like, I, I understand what you're going through. He he was an alcoholic, my husband, mm. first husband, first husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, that's rough. And and my mother-in-law, my second marriage, we had her Christmas Eve, and we were just all family still. 
Just stayed tight. Yes. And he stayed friends with um, his second wife, um, June. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His yeah. second wife is, she just passed away, what, last month. She and this I, is your first husband's, husband's second, second wife. wife. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you guys stayed friends. Yes. Well, yeah. I didn't know her. I mean, I, I didn't know who she they was. They became friends. We became, became friends. Yeah. 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 That's what, she yeah. would come to visit my daughter next door. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that was her stepmother. And we just um, talked and we'd go out. Well, I'd take her places if she needed to go. And then um, she had a daughter and they stayed with me. Her, She and her husband stayed with me. And we, we're still tight. Her daughter called my daughter, her stepsister, I guess about a month or so ago, and said, Mom said that that I had him the best year, his best years, and my daughter said, oh, no, she didn't. So when they were here for the my birthday and for the funeral, we were talking, and I said, you know, if we'd had that other bottle of plum wine, we might have discussed what happened between <laughs> us, because I had no idea. I mean, I knew what I went through, but I didn't know she was going through it. Did she go through some, I mean, so your first marriage, he was an alcoholic, yeah. and, and he wasn't, he wasn't a kind drunk. No. 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 He didn't work. He didn't like to work. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> Couldn't and, work. And he, and he was, he, you know, he, he was not. He was, he was a, very personable. Very but, personable. But he wasn't gentle when he was drunk. No. Yeah. No. But then, how was he in a second marriage? Did he get sober, or well, did, evidently not? Evidently, see, not. I didn't know that. Evidently not. That's why she thought I had the best years. But see, I thought, well, maybe he's found the one he's going. I think he he liked the idea that I was a colonel's daughter. He really? did. Yeah, I think that was part of it. Hmm. So you think he liked the idea of you more than he loved you as a person? Well, when I went to get my engagement ring after I. We graduated from high school. Guess who paid for it? He borrowed money from me. <laughs> he borrowed money from you to buy the engagement. Yeah, yeah. Did that not tell me something? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, when you're getting married. How old was he? You were 20, and how old was he? He was uh, 21. 21. We're the same age. Well, see, before he was at another high school, and he came to my high school, and I was dating a football player. We dated all through high school, off and on, you know, and then. Um, Every time a new girl would come to the house, you know, a football player had to mm-hmm. deal with a new girl. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when 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 my first husband came to the school, we, our ring, our high school ring, had no stones in it, and he came from a high school and he had a stone because he was well, he was a junior then too, and um, so I said, oh, he's cute. Let me go interview him, you know. So that's how we got the stone in the ring. So we always have all of our reunions. They always bring that up, how we got the stone in the ring. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. after after you found out about that stone, then you guys wanted a stone in your ring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So now your kids are out of the house. You get remarried. Are you still living in Hampton? Yes. And your- We moved into his house. And so your second husband, uh, what, was it, what's it, what was his name? Frank. Frank Reed. He trained the astronauts. He trained the yes, astronauts. Tell me about that. At Langley Field. I met um, I met some of them, and they had the big. It's called a gantry. I don't know if you've seen it when you've been in Hampton or not, but it's a big gantry where they train the astronauts. They, well, they'd use the gantry that they build the ships with. Well, no, they got up there, and then they had down on the bottom was like I guess Earth or. Whatever <laughs> they're pretending, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are they jumping off of there, like mm-hmm. into the water? Like, is that no? It's it? just on the, on the land thing. Oh, on the land. Yeah. Thing. In fact, I've got a helmet that he had when he was on top of the gantry because they had to wear helmets up there. What? So, what's he training them to do? What would you remember? Do you, what he was? 
Well, this is and this is in the early '60s before the moon landing. Before, yeah, before mm-hmm. the moon landing, he was going to invent the the couch that the astronauts went on. Okay, the couch, the couch that they sat on. You know, in the in the space capsule. <laughs> they the, they the couch they, call, oh, they the, called on the, on the capsule couch. coming back down. Well, they called it a, ca- a couch in the capsule. What they sat in. Okay, so their seat, <laughs> their seat, yeah, their seat. These yeah. are the seats that they're riding up into space in. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so strapped into the couch. Yeah. So anyway, they had they you know they had a monkey the first one, and, and they I forgot well the poor monkey died but they mm-hmm. didn't they never tell I, I can't even think of the name of the monkey now but anyway he was at this big meeting and they were trying to figure out about this couch, and they had a pig, mm-hmm. and the pig kept dying. It kept dying. On Earth, or when they put him in space, when on the couch, when they laid him back, when he was laying back, and somebody up in the galley yelled, "If you put a pig on his back, he'll die." Uh, so that's when they—that's when they changed. solved it. Yeah, and he—he's when he retired, they gave him a, a made a little thing of a space of of, of the couch. Out of plastic, you know, for, put together. <laughs> so I still got that. <laughs> but it doesn't have a pig on it. No. It's just a couch. It's just a couch. But the couch is symbolic. I mean, it, well, it's a little plastic thing, the model of the couch. But it's symbolic of this time when they were trying to figure out how do you how do you best hold a human? Yeah. When they're going into space. Yeah. Yeah. Was he an was he a he was an rocket aer- scientist or aeronautical engineer? He was an aeronautical yeah. engineer. Got it. I have a buddy who's uh, dad. Is an aeronaut was an aeronautical engineer, and he when we were kids, he used to walk around with a T-shirt, and the T-shirt said, "I am a rocket scientist." <laughs> I, I have a flashlight that Ed White had. I have his flashlight. You yeah. have all kinds of stuff from NASA. Who's Ed White? Ed White was one of the astronauts, mm-hmm. and he gave you a flashlight. Well, Frank, my husband gave me. He gave uh, it to him, and then he, he gave, gave it to me. And I've still got it. <laughs> okay, but when you guys got married, are all the kids out of the house at this point? Mm-hmm. So now you're just you're empty nesters, and you're living in Hampton. And what kind of things did you guys like to do? Well, he was active in the Lions Club. I was active in Junior Women's Club. What club was that? He was in Hampton Lions Club. Lions Club. What did you say yours is? Mine, and I was um, I was in the um, with Junior Women's Club. Junior Pre- Women's. Yeah, club. I was got president. It. Yeah. President of the Junior Women's Club. Mm. What kind of things does the Junior Women's Club do? Well, back then we did all kinds of things. Uh, it was a federation. I don't, I don't really remember. Because <laughs> you're in your 30s. We, I mean, we did. Right? You're in your 30s at this point. We, yeah, we did. Because you're about, when you're born in 34, that means when you're 29, we walk on the moon. Okay. Right? And Frank and Frank is 16 years older. Mm-hmm. So Frank's 45. Frank's 45 and you're 29 when the astronauts no. walk on the moon. No, wait a minute. It's later than that. It was? Yeah. See, we were married in 81. Oh, well, the, okay. So, well, so the astronauts walked in 63. Yeah, six, somewhere. Well, right? something happened in 69. Was that when the capsule, that first blew up? Maybe, maybe I'm, well. It was, no, it was after, yeah. It we was, have to go when, back and look at that. It was that, after we were dates. married. Because we I remember. JFK it, was killed in 63. Did we walk, on, I thought we walked on the moon before JFK died. Is that not right? I don't know. I don't remember. We need to go look that up. So, because in the eighties they would have been moving on to what was um, like um, uh, well, eighty one. They had been at space. 
Absolutely. Yeah, they've been, yeah. Yeah, they've been oh, yeah. in space for decades. Yeah, but, because when but that now, they're, one, now we're into like the, the Challenger years, you know, like everything is 86. Well, I guess it was the Challenger the first one to blow up. That was, a, okay. that was the one to blow up. So right. I think so, 86. Because I remember the television. He, he was retired, mm-hmm. but he called a friend and he said, I know exactly what happened. And he named, I don't remember what it was, the seal or something. It was something. an O-ring seal. Yeah, O-ring. Mm-hmm. And he said, and yep, that's what it was. And he knew what it was mm-hmm. right away. Like mm-hmm. he said, no, the only way that happens is if this happens. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. But he would have been much older at the time, by the 80s. Let's see. In 80, All right, 80, well, he was born in, in 19. You were 50. You were probably 50 when the Challenger blew up. About 50, 52. Right? Because you're born in 34. Yeah. So 84 is 50 years. Yeah. So if, I think it was 86 that the Challenger blew up. Well, we needed, it might have been 87. But I think we, it was 86. We, we, were born, so, we were married in 81. Right. So you would have been married for five years at this point. You would have been about 52, and he would have been about 68. Does that sound about right? Mm-hmm. Probably. And, and he was retired. Yeah. Yeah, January. Actually, what is today? We're, it's almost. I know it's almost that. It's almost the anniversary. Today, January twenty eighth, nineteen eighty six, is the year that the Challenger exploded on. Um, oh, okay. As it's trying to go into space. So yeah, so eighty six. So you were fifty two. I believe fifty two. Yeah, because I remember when I was when I turned fifty five. <laughs> yeah, is that right? Fifty two. Wait, hold, hold on. So fifty. Yeah, in fifty in nineteen eighty four, you would have been fifty. Yeah, so nineteen eighty six, you were fifty two. Okay, so at fifty-two years old, your um, your kids now are grown. When were your first grandkids born? How old were you? Let's see. Well, Robbie was the Robbie first was one. A, Robbie was first grandchild. I wasn't married then. I mean, I was divorced then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when was that? <laughs> He's 40, 44, 45 now. Mm-hmm. You figure up the math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So um, forty-five. He would have been born in the late seventies. I, I was just telling your dad this morning, he asked me how I got the name of Nanny. And I said, because they lived with me, and his dad was over in Korea at that time. Mm-hmm. And my daughter and Robbie stayed with me, and I came home from work one day. I was trying to give this, I wanted to say grandma, grandma, mm-hmm. or grandmother. Mm-hmm. I he was in a little walker, and he comes across the floor going, nah, 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 nah. So I, that's how I became Nanny. Very common yeah. for the first grandchild to and get so, to name the grandmother. <laughs> and then all the rest of us inherit that. Right, right. You know, my grandmother, her her name was Manny. Well, that's what your dad was telling me. <laughs> yeah. And I and I think that was similar. My um, cousin, Susan, who's 10 years older than me, she was the firstborn grandchild. She, yeah, she I did. was the second born, but it's 10 years later. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just inherited the name Manny. From her, but I think similarly, she was trying to say grandma, and somehow it was coming out Manny. Well, we lived by Kikatan High School, and Robbie, the grand first grandson, he played ball over there. Well, and my son played ball over there. Mm-hmm. Her dad mm-hmm. <laughs> played baseball, and the baseball team would come over to our yard and get water because they didn't have a well, they didn't have anything there then. So get water, they'd come over and get the hose. So I was nanny to the baseball team, and then when Robbie was. Uh, playing ball over there and he played little leg i was nanny to them then my granddaughter was in the band i'm nanny to them i'm so I'm nanny to everybody but your friends don't call you marlene oh yeah because as we become grandparents we don't uh, start calling each other each other's grandparent no, name no no <laughs> <laughs> but it's probably fun for uh, the grandparents to all share their grandparent name with each other 
to find out like yeah. what's your grandparent name? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because mm-hmm. well, my daughter, uh, their grandmother was nanny. Okay, and I'm nanny, so mm-hmm. they wanted me to be old nanny, and I said no, I'm the original nanny. <laughs> so when they called her nanny, she said no, no. So now she's no, no. No, she's no, no to them. She was no, no to them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good one. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about like spirituality. How how would you tell your your own story of spirituality and how that's evolved? Like when you think of like your spirituality in your childhood versus your High school years. I love, versus- I love telling this story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We lived off the base then. It was after the war. I guess I was like maybe 12. And the bus stop was right there. I'd get get on the bus and go out to the chapel. And on Sunday mornings, they would have Sunday school, and I would help in the Sunday school while they were having the Catholic service or whatever. And then and then I would go to the chapel. And then as I By got, yourself? Yeah. Hmm. Just you wanted to. You were 12. Yeah. 12. So then when when um, it was a little bit when I got to junior high school, they had a youth group and then they, and so I went to the chapel where the youth group was and we sang had sang in the choir and all that. And that's and then um, my first marriage, my father-in-law, he was very active in church. So, is this a Catholic church? No, this is Protestant. Protestant this was, church. This was a press well, you know, at the base there was no denomination except it was Catholic, the- Jewish and you know, Protestant. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my my father in law was uh, Presbyterian. So we got married in that church, and then I became active in that church. Your McElhaney, yes, father in law was Presbyterian. Was he Scottish? Yeah, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh. Scotch Irish. Well, he's got. We I mean, so yeah. the Scots are mm-hmm. Presbyterians, and the Irish are generally Catholic. Oh, yeah, so, yeah that's true. Okay, so so McElhaney is is more Scotch than mm-hmm. Irish. I mean, ethnically, it's Scotch Irish, but yeah. but uh, culturally, clearly, it's more Scott if they're Presbyterian, right? And so he was a Presbyterian minister. No, he was oh. just active in church. He was active a deacon, Pres- and all. yeah. And, and I was then he made me head of the nursery department, <laughs> and then I started teaching Sunday school, and then when I um, later on we built the house where on that private lane near my father in law and mother in law, there was a Presbyterian. Well, there was no pres- there was no church, no high school, nothing. So when they built that, I joined the Presbyterian Church, and that's when I started teaching Sunday. That's school. the one behind your house now. Yeah, the one there. Okay, now, that wasn't there when we built. There was nothing there. No high. Was school. that his land? That McElhenney Lane, and everyone yeah. just kind of built their houses. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. How many people build houses on the lane? Well, but- see, there's there's two on the front that faced the main road, and then there's um, three. There's myself. Two of us on one side and then my neighbor across the street. So there's really three of us on the lane. The other two face the high, the road, <laughs> Boxer Road. But this is your father-in-law. Yes. And so then your husband, did he grow up in a pretty religious home? Yeah. Did that? Did he not like that? I don't. He just liked drinking better. He's like, <laughs> you don't have any sense of like what the demons were that that drove him to drink no. to excess. No. No, you have no sense Mm-mm. of like why he was up angry or why he was disappointed or nope. why he was depressed or why he was nope. uh, angry at God or no, you have no idea. I mean, he went to church. We we went to church together. Sure, and but for him, it was routine. Yeah, right, right. I mean, we even you know did devotionals in the morning with the children and stuff like that. Once, and then I mean, just I don't know what happened. <laughs> hmm. 
But so on this McElhaney Lane, the father-in-law, build, he has his own house. Right. And then you guys build a house. And then who else is on the street? Well, uh, next door, well, the house that, I, that we built, my daughter is there now. Or, well, they live there then. Mm-hmm. It's, well, he's still there. Mm-hmm. Then I moved in. When I married Frank, I moved in his house next door. Mm-hmm. Then my neighbors across the street built the house. They're, they're like my adopted children. They're so good to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we grew up with all their kids. Yeah. Mm. You know, going over to Nanny's house for Easter egg mm-hmm. hunts. And yeah. it was like the kind of like a little family commune. <laughs> yeah, we'd have a big pinata and invite mm-hmm. all the neighborhood kids. Nanny had and, some epic parties. And all, all, your, all your dad's friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> children, yeah. and everybody came. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because some of the um, the stories I've I've heard, I'm actually a little surprised to find out that McElhaney isn't Irish, because some of the parties sounded like more Irish, big Irish family parties and yeah. less Scottish. But you know, here I am trying to process all yeah. that. Where out where the, all the Presbyterianism and well, we had we had parties all the time. We had theme parties. Mm-hmm. One year we had a Mexican party, and we got up. Rented a mule. <laughs> so maybe his drinking had more to do with just this, loving to party. This is the second husband. Oh, second husband. Oh, no, no, no. I was still on the Mac only. No, he, no he, did, he did his parties with other people. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Okay. <laughs> his bar scene parties. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so let's, so let's, but let's stay on spirituality yes, a little okay. bit. So, right. yeah, so you start, you're going to church, you're teaching, going to church doesn't no. necessarily right. have impact on your inner spiritual life. It can. It can well, be really teaching positive. did. And teaching then did, yeah. being a Presbyterian, brought up Presbyterian, well, going to Presbyterian. I, I mean, I, predestination. And I think I, this is where God, I started, look how young I started, you know? So you so and, you believe in uh, predestination, predestination, reformed ideas of Presbyterianism. Yeah. And then, uh, so you think there was God just had grabbed you? Well, was- when Frank, Frank, when we started going out, I said, you know, I told him how important the church was to me and God. And I have a thing that he, he joined, he was the Presbyterian also, but at another church. And he was in the choir and he wrote a message on a, uh, on the bulletin. And I've still got, I've got it in my Bible. When I'm gone, y'all read it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, it and it says, you know, God, please help me protect Marlene and all. I mean, it was just, it's very touching. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he knew how I felt. And we, we prayed together. We, we were at night, he would call me before, and we would read the Bible together. Mm. And before the divorce, it was hard times, you know, no money because he wouldn't work. They were going to foreclose in the house. And I can remember one night, I was crying, and I was sitting on the side of my bed, and they were gonna, they were gonna, you know, auction off the house at the courthouse, and I, and I was sitting on the side of the bed praying, and I saw this image on my closet door. And the next day, my mother called me, and I had a, a, an aunt, who evidently had a mortgage on. Anyway, I, I got a second mortgage on that house, and the house was saved. And I, I know God heard me. And he always hears me. I've, I've had all these miracles happen. I had a, um, a carotid artery, and it was like 40%, and I was going to the pulmonary doctor. And one day, I, and he you know, kept checking it. One day I go, and he said, it's gone. I said, how that happened? He shrugged his shoulders. I went to the car, 
thank God, call my daughter. And I said, I've had a miracle. <laughs> and then they don't have to be big miracles. They could be little ones. I mean, I've had things out, you know, fret over. Okay, what am I going to do about it? And, and, and God just, he takes care of it. <laughs> so he's my strength. Mm-hmm. And, and I would love, and I want all my great-grandchildren to know this is I try to instill this in them you know about who Jesus is and all that because now your churches are there's no there's no children in churches if they come their grandparents are bringing them not their parents mm. Mm. is that what you're noticing is that, that there's a generation gap yes, in churches absolutely because I would like to take two of my grandchildren they used to go there that was one reason I I went there because they it was a Methodist church mm-hmm. and uh they don't go anymore. There's no, there's the one that's going to be 13. There's no, there's none that age. Hmm. They're all little ones. And they, and most of them come with their grandparents when they come. Hmm. When did you start going to, because when we were growing up, we went to a church called First United Church of Christ, yeah, which is there. where my mom's parents were big in that church. And like hmm. my grandfather helped build it. So did you start going to that church after mom and dad yes. got married? Yes. Okay. You weren't going there before. No. Okay. No. No. And that's not a Presbyterian church. No. no. Not a Methodist. But that's church. the one we all grew up. Like we the all whole grew family up. went going to this and church. And I was very active in that. I was mm-hmm. a, a deacon and all taught Sunday school there. And then I found out how liberal. I, I mean, I just didn't think Christians believe stuff that you know didn't believe the Bible. Okay. And I found out a lot of the. With they had a minister that came, and he didn't. He didn't. Um, he didn't believe Christ walked on water. All these things. He didn't believe in the virgin birth. Tried to get rid of him. And he was asking questions, you know, one at a meeting. And he asked me, and I said, you lost me on, on the virgin birth. You know, <laughs> I mean, I just didn't think Christians didn't believe all this stuff, you know. thought they believed like me. So I, I, they had, I left. A bunch of us left. We had a meeting. We left. They had to pay him to get rid of him. I have a buddy who uh, is a professor, but he was also a pastor at, at different points in his life. And one time he was interviewing with the church. Now, this was a very conservative church. So it was kind of not the, it wasn't that they were too liberal. They were like fundamentalist mm-hmm. on a different level. And and so they they gave him uh, a series of papers, like their, their uh, statement of faith to review uh, when he was interviewing. And he came back for another interview and they said, well, what did you think? about our statement of faith. And he said, well, other than the fact that point number two would preclude Jesus himself and point number six was condemned as heresy at the Council of Nicaea, I think it's pretty good. (laughs) 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 So there's a lot of crazy stuff going on Mm -hmm. inside of, you know, really all of Christendom has backwaters, um, whether it's Protestantism, uh, Orthodoxy, Catholicism, but Protestantism of the three has the most radical nature because I think today there's like 30,000 Protestant denominations in the world. See, I think the churches are not practicing what they're preaching. I think they, you're probably been right. Into society, because that was one of the things that the meeting that we talked about when the pastor, I'm not going to say what he said. I said, God's word doesn't change. And that's when that next Monday I went in there. I said, I'm through. I'm gone. Yeah. Got it. And so, then, then during the pandemic, mm-hmm. when uh, you know we were going to church, I listened to all these ministers on television, and one of them, one was, um, there are a lot of good people in hell, and I got thinking about that, and I thought, think about it. 
there are a lot. Of, I mean, just because you go to church every Sunday and you do this and you do that, if you don't, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you're not going. You're not going to be that's there. A com- I mean, I think that's a complicated theological notion, and I'm not the only one. I mean, C.S. Lewis really struggled with this question of how could good people end up in yeah. hell? Yeah. Um, and so I'm definitely not black and white on that. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine. That somebody that God likes, which we're going to, let's just say that to be a good person, good is only defined as what God likes. So if you're a person that is somebody that God likes, it's hard for me to imagine God letting you waste away. But what does God say about his son and Holy Spirit? Uh, you got to have, you yeah, don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm here. So, but the, I mean, I, guess I was the, like I guess you the when I heard that. You know? Well, the question, I guess, the theological question is, can somebody actually be good if they don't have the Holy Spirit? If they don't have the Holy Spirit. And do you have to know you have the Holy Spirit to have the Holy Spirit? Because I, I just think of people I know that they're indifferent toward religion, but they're really, really, really good people yeah, who seem like they're in tune with the Spirit of God and are living like in a way that looks like the spirit of God. Well, we don't, we're not here to judge either. So that's, that's where I kind of come out on that. I, I, I come out in the place where theologically, I don't want to make, I don't think I want to make that. We're not supposed to judge. I think that's probably fair. That's probably the best approach theologically. So every time we get to a place where we're asked theologically to make a harsh judgment, that really isn't our perspective to make, then maybe we just punt to God. Right. I guess so. so then if, if we're just punting to God, then it's hard for me to make the statement. There's a lot of good people in hell. I'm open to the possibility that that's the way the world works because I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> right. Because I don't know. So it's not, he, I'm not saying that they're wrong because I don't know, but I also would never make that statement as like Claire, clearly I'm right. 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 Well, I mean, I we don't know what's in a person's heart. Correct. That's that's my point. You know, I mean, they could not even go to church, but they could still know Christ. Correct. And and they and you know, again, this is like C.S. Lewis explores in his writings this notion that people could know Christ without actually knowing Christ. That they might know Christ know about he, him, but not know him. No, no, the opposite. <laughs> like the opposite. They don't know anything about him, but in their hearts, they actually are hearing his voice. Oh, oh. Right. So they grow up in a culture that doesn't never teaches them anything about Christ. But they're they're actually in tune with the spirit of God in a way that they are pleasing to God. Right? I mean, think about like uh, in the Old Testament. I mean, Abraham was a friend of God before there was Christ. Yeah. Right? And so this same notion that God continues to speak to people's hearts even if they don't know the story of the incarnation, right? Even if they don't know the story of. Uh, but then the New Testament, that's what, right? This Holy Spirit, that's his gift to us. That's a. I, so listen, like I I'm, say, I'm not, I'm not judging either. I mean, I just know how I feel and how I get, get through the day. Okay. I think that's, I think that's wisdom. Well, I pray for wisdom, but I know. <laughs> thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of things, when you think about like um, the things that you'd want your grandchildren to know, right? Like, let's say that you knew you only had 10 years left to live. And you're like, what can I, what do I want my grandkids to take away that I can try to share with them while I'm still alive? Values. 
What kind of values? Being kind to other people, knowing knowing Christ, mm-hmm. being honest, not lying. I was always told if you lied, you steal. <laughs> mm-hmm. That scared me to death. Mm-hmm. I, when I worked, people took toilet paper and I never even took a pencil home. When I did, my boss liked a little stub and it had a lot of eraser on it. So I, that's what I'd take. That was the only thing I ever took home. I never thought about taking toilet paper <laughs> or even a pen. You know, a lot of people take pens. Right, just all the little things. Yeah. It's all the I mean, little things the little that things add things up. That, yes, absolutely. Right, that if you're not even paying attention to your conscience on the little things, that everything starts to get away from you. And like one, one of the little great-granddaughters, I always tell, tell her, I love you. I said, you know what? They're the three magical words. I love you. And I was telling her not too long ago, I said, well, you were a young little thing and you were sitting in the chair and I was. we were in the kitchen and I turned around and you said, Nanny, I love you so much. I said, do you know how much that means? <laughs> so I keep every, I love you, I love you. And if they waiting for them to say it back, you know, they need mm-hmm. to know. They need to know they're loved. Yes. So you want them to know they're loved. Yes. What do you think the secrets to happiness are? At 90 years old, like, do you have any, what are your insights to the secret? Well, my, my secret was Frank and I, because yeah. I, I think God brought us together. I think it was a marriage made in heaven. Mm. So finding a great partner is one of the yes. keys to happiness. Yes. yes, absolutely. I mean, I always said we had a perfect marriage. It was perfect for us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, clearly you were very happy. Absolutely. And it seems Happiest like time in my clear, life. Clear, he seems like he was very happy too. Yep. Um, His children have told me that. Right. Okay. So, so we've got know you're loved. Be, be su- careful in who you choose as a as a as a marriage partner. Be be supportive of each other. Be supportive of, of your marriage partner and your family. Yeah. Don't don't criticize in front of other people. I mean, mm-hmm. I know couples. Uh, we had one couple, and she he'd have a headache. You don't have a headache. <laughs> You know, stuff like that. <laughs> she just negate him. Yes, all the time. Yeah. That's, that's And it's not comfortable to be around people like that either. Yeah, it's probably not great for their I mean inti- he did everything. Intimate life either. He could even he could even he did the sewing, the ironing, did all only thing he couldn't cook. Hmm. One time did I she came, criticize him about that? No. Hmm. Nope. No. <laughs> I didn't like ironing. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was, oh, I thought you were talking about somebody else's husband. So no, you're saying no, Frank, not Frank Frank did yeah, the yeah, sewing Frank, and the Frank. ironing. He did, he was, yeah, he did very meticulous. And I came home from work one time and he had made spaghetti. He took my mother's old good housekeeping cookbook and made spaghetti and it was good. Mm. But he always helped me. We had parties. He was right there to help me. Mm. Christmas, we'd have all the family there and other people. And Chris, at Thanksgiving, we'd have uh, soldiers from the air base, friends of, of my grandson or whatever. And mm. he was always there. He'd peel all those potatoes. Didn't have Bob Evans then. <laughs> So then, um, Frank, when did Frank pass away? 96. 96. November, October 96. 96. So you're, you're only 60 something, early 60s. And he's in his like kind of late 70s. And so now you're young. I mean, 60 is the new 40, right? <laughs> but when you're, you're 60 and you're single, so then. She never. Now, what's that? Never dated, never. After that, you were done. You, yeah. You'd, you'd I mean, I had it. what I. I I was fulfilled with what I had. I didn't never find anybody else like that. And I wasn't even interested. In fact, when we were having a class reunion and one of my classmates brought some material over to my house, and I, I don't want him coming in my house. You know? <laughs> so I was out in the yard working. I never, I didn't invite him in. I mean, it was just. 
Yeah, you just not, not interested. And I, not I remember I, I would take y'all, the girls and all, would say, "Danny, that man's looking at you." <laughs> Please, <laughs> like, never interested. Like I'm over it. Do you remember that? I remember. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Nanny, you just kept going. I mean, you kept doing your yard work and taking care of the house, and still she trying just to do did that. all. She did it all. <laughs> yeah, you still do. So then, so then, what's the secret? So you you lose your great partner. And then what becomes the secret to happiness? You, just, you still know your love. You know God loves you. Yes. Well, being active and things. I mean, I'm, I'm going to the gym all the time. I'm still, well, I'm doing Zumba. I was doing three days a week. Now I'm, I haven't been for several months because of my hip, but I'm playing. That's my You're goal. You're doing for, Zumba three, four times a week not, at 90. That, well, <laughs> no, I stopped it. To two. two times a week yeah. at 90. But now I'm, I'm. I do Zumba zero times a week. Well, I'm going to try to. My goal is start next week and go back once a week. <laughs> so you can get once a week. So so a little exercise. Exercise. These are these are the secrets to have. It's a little exercise. You spend a lot of time with family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How and often? Friends. Do you, friends. We play dominoes. I used to play bridge a lot. We were in a bridge group. Is this mostly uh, all people your own age? Yes. Which is not very many of us left. We just had our last. 70th class reunion. 70th high school reunion. Yes. How yep. many people were there? Do you remember how many people graduated from your class and how many people were I'm, in? The funny thing is every every time we'd have one, we'd say, how many people were in our class? I don't even think it was three. It was small. You know, it was small yeah. classes then. Yeah, 300. Let's yeah. say it was 300. Yeah. And how was, many people do you think were came to the reunion, the 70th? This, like, well, I always, I've worked on the committee ever since we had a committee, uh-huh. <laughs> period. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say the last time was probably 50 or 60. 50 or 60? Oh, yeah. At yeah. your 70th high school reunion? Yeah. yeah. People came from all over. But, but were, were those spouses too? Like how many yes, people? Yes, we so, invite ex-spouses. So you think maybe there were 25? You think there were 25 people who graduated in your class? At oh, this? oh, more than that. More yeah, than that. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. That's incredible. I know. If, if 10% of the class was not only still alive, but then came to the reunion? One of them had already sent his thing in and he died before the reunion. Another one on our committee, he had a stroke, so he couldn't come. So we're losing them. There's like, you want me to tell the story about the... The harem? Of course, yeah. Okay, well. I don't know what the story about the harem well, is, but gonna, I want to hear about you're it. You're going to love it. You, you never told me this. No. So. Okay. Well, uh, one, of, one of my classmates is a uh, funeral director. He has his own funeral home. Been in Hampton for years, okay? and we Death is not going out of business. We went to high school together. <laughs> and we worked on the committee all these years. And he he would always pick up the girls in our area, and we'd go to the class, to the reunion meetings together. So his wife named us his harem. Okay. <laughs> okay. So one of the granddaughters. This is less interesting than I thought it was. <laughs> oh, it's going <laughs> to. Sorry, I'm just, I keep going. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm I know where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my granddaughters worked at a funeral, at a funeral, a funeral home and cemetery. Mm-hmm. I'll call him Bob. His name is Bob. Mm-hmm. He would go to the cemetery for funerals and stuff. And so she said, oh, I, I met Mr. Smith. And I said, well, good. What did he say? And she said, oh, I can't tell you. And she went into this fit. I can't tell you. I said, what do you mean you can't tell me? He said you were part of his harem. <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, his wife, we have laughed and laughed about that. That's And so then that Sunday I go to church and the pastor says, um, I said, uh, she, oh, because she said, oh, and get, and, and the pastor was there. So Sunday when I went to church, 
I said, oh, I guess you heard about the harem. He said, I'm not going there. So we, so it's been a real family funny thing. Mm-hmm. So one day, uh, Bob was coming over. We were getting ready to have a reunion, and, and my granddaughter was coming, too. And I said, this is going to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> one time, Brent and I were having um, dinner at Warhorse here in Atlanta, and we'd gone for a, a wine dinner. And about halfway through the wine dinner, one of the ladies that we were sitting next to talking to, she uh, shared with us that she was one of Ted Turner's girlfriends. One of, like she knew. And and Ted, I think, has like five girlfriends. And she was part of that rotation. And she explained to us like how, how, it, know, worked how it all worked. And the how contracts. Yeah. And, you know, she, knew, like, she knows like months in advance what mm. her weeks are. And it's like a timeshare. Yeah. <laughs> Yours wasn't that detailed. No, no, no. <laughs> no. I mean, that's what's so funny is because his wife and I, we just laugh about that. She always sends me a birthday card. It's got something to do with, you know, something to do with that. We laugh about it. And then at my birthday party last weekend, she was there and, and the hair, the harem that's left was there. Oh, that <laughs> the entire harem was at your birthday party. Like three of us. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So I said, we got to have a picture of Missy with the harem. Well, she can't, did you see her? You should have seen her. Oh, she had a hissy fit. When she saw, I said, come here, you got to have a picture with the harem. And she saw him. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it, Brittany? That picture. picture? No, I haven't yet. Okay. I don't know. Who's I in the harem? I don't know. Who's huh? who in the harem? Was it well, Barbara? It was Barbara. And Barbara and I were original. Sylvia, I got her in. I feel like Barbara years. was a wild one. Yeah. We, we, all your friends. We used to say, we <laughs> each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was mad. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so you just turned 90. What are some of the things you still hope to see happen in your lifetime? For yourself, for society? I mean, what are... I just hope the world changes, turns around. I mean, I, I never realized there were so many oh, they're crazy people. I mean, it's, it's insane. It's like everything's up, upside down is right. Hmm. And I, I mean, I wake up every morning. I can't believe I'm going. This can't be happening, you know. It's, and then it's something worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unbelievable. So your hope is that the that the world might. And I, you know, I pray every night. Mm-hmm. I know that God has a plan that I live long enough to see that plan. <laughs> well, that'd be a treat. All right, so we're running out of time. Okay, but um, I'll tell you what. I certainly pray that when I'm 90 years old, my mind's as sharp as yours is. Uh, because you, I had my senior moments. <laughs> well, well, that would be to be expected. But, but you know what? I found out a lot of people have these senior moments. It's not just old people. It's the truth. Young people. Oh, They've got so much on their mind. So many times I think, God, why am I so bad with names? Why is that name escaping me? And you, know, like, I, you know the secret? One of the secrets? Oh, tell me. Associate. Like if I'm thinking of a couple and I can't think... I can think of one's name. I keep saying it over, you know, yeah. John, and, and then it, 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 it just pops in there. Yeah, it'll mm-hmm. come. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Well, Nanny, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Ryan, so much. I'm so glad to uh, be part of your family. You, uh, you, have a, you have a wonderful brood. We're glad, we're glad to have you in it, too. Thank you so much for all you've done. And Britt, thanks for joining us. You're yes. welcome. <laughs> My dear sweet. She was the bossy granddaughter. 
Was she really? Oh, gosh, yes. Oh. God, I think it's on a video we have of her. They're getting ready to leave the house. We're all out front. She's telling everybody where to stand. You go behind the tree here. You do this and you do that. <laughs> Thank God she got all that out of her system. <laughs> Aren't you well, the I, was I, too. <laughs> I say that all the time. I'm like, I don't know how you got to be how you are today, but I'm thankful for all of it. <laughs> all right, Nanny. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. I love you. Love you, too. This has been the Black Hall Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks for listening.